Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, we have kind of a roundtable. We're going to talk about when to quit your job and to go full-time and some of the considerations that, well, you need to consider. And this was a live recorded episode. I do a live stream each week on Wednesdays with a couple friends of mine. So it's Mark Mars from Niche Website Builders, Adam Smith, also from Niche Website Builders, and Alex Cooper from WP Eagle. And then we rotate on each person's channel each week. So it's a little confusing, but we're we're trying to rope people in to follow each of us. And this topic was a really good one. I think it is certainly a more advanced topic when you're thinking about actually quitting your job and it gets a little more serious and you're thinking of the mechanics of it. It's certainly, you know, you're you're probably along a little bit further in your side hustle career or as an entrepreneur or you know, whatever it is you're working on, on your own. So we had a great discussion. One thing with the live streams is it's very casual. It's just like we're having a conversation and we're interacting with the chat, fielding some questions. One thing, one favor I did for you for this episode is I cut out about 20 minutes of the early banter. (laughs) So we catch up and tell stories about what's been going on in our lives for a few minutes. Sometimes it only takes like, you know, five or 10 minutes. Other times it goes on a little bit longer. We had a lot of stories this particular day. And then we got into the topic uh, pretty deeply. We opened up and talked about some of the struggles we had and some of the things that we had to think about and how we ended up going full-time Uh, Everyone has a little bit of a different story and a different take. So a lot of valuable conversation here. We also field questions from the live chat. So I typically read those out. So even for a podcast, you're able to understand what's going on. And then basically, if you want to get involved with this, if you want to have your question on the live stream someday, you can follow the links that are in the show notes and make sure you're subscribed and you pay attention on each of our channels. Like I said, we do alternate who hosts the show. It is 8 a.m. Mountain Time on Wednesdays. So 8 a.m. Mountain Time on Wednesdays. And you could always catch the replay later. The replays are always up. You'll just have to browse around and you know check uh the feed on each one of our channels out there. So anyway, I hope you enjoy this conversation. Before I send it over, I do want to thank Ezoic for sponsoring these episodes. Really appreciate it. And you can get started without any page view minimums or anything like that. You can go ahead and integrate with Ezoic even when you first start your site. And 
I think they used to have like a little test, like a little proficiency test after you do some training, but I think they removed that. I heard they removed that. So you, you don't have to go through the training any, or you don't have to go through the test anymore. You still have to be trained, but you don't have to go through the test anymore. So anyway, you can check that out and they have a product called leap that helps your website load faster as well. And thanks to niche website builders. I've been working with them on a case study. There should be several updates out at this point in time. So you'll just have to check, but the target was publishing about 200,000 words of content over the course of four months. And at the time that I'm recording this, I think I have about three quarters of it published and traffic is growing. It's pretty amazing to see traffic, you know, showing up on brand new content that you just published. And it's, you know, a few hundred visitors per day, a few hundred sessions per day already. So thanks to niche website builders. And let's send it to the the live stream here, the recorded live stream. And we'll get to the topic of the day. I have a few areas that we'll focus on. And of course, it's like when to quit your job, when to go full time. And I think each of us sort of came into this um, in a different way. And I don't want to spend too much time because um, I think some of us didn't necessarily quit our job. So I want to go around and just hear maybe like the few sentence answer on how you ended up going full time. And then we'll sort of back into some other areas like uh, how much savings one might want to have, maybe revenue checkpoints or baseline. So you have enough confidence and how long it maybe takes to earn replacement income. Maybe it's a couple years, something like that. And then the other part, which is more interpersonal relationships, like what about your spouse or partner? And what about your parents or other peers, people that you're just going to have to deal with that may not agree with what you're trying to do? So those are some of the topics we're going to talk about. So like I said, first off, we'll go around. So Adam, how did you end up going full-time? Did you quit your job or did you kind of easily transition into this? Yeah, I, I, so I quit my, well, I kind of quit my job. Well, I did quit my job, but basically I'd, um, it was at the point where I'd <clears throat> sold a website and I'd made more in the seven months that I grew and flipped that website than I like made all year my at the agency job that I was working at. And um, I was like, I need to do more of this. <laughs> like, how do I do more? But I didn't want to quit because, I, you know, you've got that safety net. So I asked my boss at the time, could I drop down to three days a week, do three days at the agency and just kind of do my own thing two days a week. Um, but like the, the role was quite demanding. It was client facing. I was traveling to universities in the UK, like selling digital strategies and stuff like that. And she basically said like, no, it's not a it's not a part-time role. You either you either have to be part-time and uh, you either you either have to be full-time or the, the role doesn't work. Um, so I went home and thought about it and I had a chat to my my partners and the next day I went in and I just I just gave her my resignation and she said, What's this? I'm like, it's my letter of resignation. She's like, What do you mean? I thought you we agreed yesterday you were gonna stay. And I was like, No, I said I'm gonna go and think about it. And you said I could only do I couldn't do part-time, I could only do full-time or nothing. I was like, so it's nothing. Like, here's here's my letter. And, uh, and that was it. And we'll probably get into more of the details, but looking back, I was a bit naive because I quit with only the money that I had from selling the website. I didn't have any other income really coming in. Um, and I then had to make it work with that money I had to, to buy another website and 
<laughs> make it work or go and look for another job basically. So got yeah, it. That's how I quit. Okay. And then do you think that your boss would have negotiated differently mm-hmm. if he would have known that you were going to quit? Potentially. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I like to think that I was well respected in the job and liked in the job and appreciated in the role. Um, so potentially, but on saying that they didn't try and change my mind when I said I'd give them my letter of resignation. So sure. Maybe it was a, I thought it was like an, a, maybe a, a negotiating tactic, you know, to, you can't do it part-time. That's it. Thinking that I wouldn't quit, but they didn't try and change my mind afterwards. So I don't gotcha. know. Gotcha. All right. What about you, Mark? How'd you start working for yourself? <clears throat> yeah. So, I mean, I think, yeah, it depends like on like your tolerance for risk and stuff as now, which I guess we'll come into, but like for me, um, I'd had enough. Like, I was working at Microsoft for like 10 years and it's great. Honestly, honestly, a really great place to work. I recommend anyone go there if they want to like work in a corporate world in technology. It's, it's great. It's, there's so many good things about it, but I've been there like 10 years and I'm, I'd, uh, I'd started another business on the side, uh, which was already going and going really well. What I hadn't really, I'd built a piece of software and a company was running it. I hadn't got any income from it. It was just like I had shares in this company, but I could see it growing and it was doing really well. And I kind of got the bug for it. And, um, and I kind of like pushed me out, out faster, I think out of Microsoft. And I kind of like, that's the point where I was like, I really don't want to do this anymore. I could see like the other side and like what it looked like with this other business growing. And I, I decided to start my own like marketing and web agency. And, um, so I had like a, I, I, yeah, I was like completely foolish and naive, uh, as well. Like at that, at that point, because I just, I had like a little bit of savings in my account, but I can't even remember what it was. It was my, like, it might've been like a month's salary or something, you know, like hardly anything. And I, and I, and I had built a couple of websites and I thought that was okay. I could build a couple more, but I had no real pipeline of work like coming down the road. I've not made a name for myself. I'd like, I'd not like networked and had connections and all of that. And I just left and, uh, and I immediately just started crapping myself like, oh shit. <laughs> like, but oh no, actually, no, this is, this is like not strictly true. Actually it's partly true. So I, I actually did what Adam did and I asked to go part-time and they were like, Oh, this is a bit weird. Like a guy asking to go part-time. Like sometimes women ask to go part-time when they've had a baby and they come back and they're part-time. And, that, and I was like, well, you know, you did it for them. Like, what about for me? So they actually did let me. So for nine months or so, so that's a weird, weird time frame considering pregnancy. <laughs> about nine months or so, um, <clears throat> I was part-time three days a week at Microsoft. Um, and then two days a week doing my own stuff in which I did start going out and networking, but I still was totally naive. So when I left, I didn't really have what it, I didn't, I didn't really have in place what was needed to actually make it go and have without needing a long runway. So <clears throat> got it. I mean, I made it work because I just worked really hard and like, uh, got there, you know, but, um, and just about made it through <clears throat> but at the moment. At the time I didn't have any kids, <clears throat> like no major commitments. My wife was working. So mm-hmm. like there was income there. Like it wasn't too bad, but it was still pretty scary, but got it. That's, that's the gist of it really. And then how about how about you, Alex? You you had some agency stuff going on, right? Yeah. And then before that, when I quit my proper job, I mean, I was in my twenties, early twenties, quite young and naive. And I, but I knew I wanted to have my own business. I knew that the only way to ever make any money and get proper income was to have my own business. So obviously, later discovered that a traditional business was also not what I was looking for because that takes up a lot of time as well. 
But that point, that's when I set up my very first company, which was the Wi-Fi company. I went to my parents and said, this is what I want to do. And I prepared like a little business plan, printed it out, put it in a binder and all that kind of stuff and said, this is my business. And I was hoping that they were going to be my dragons. I said, basically, can you lend me 10 grand? That should tie me over for a few months and then I'll get some clients in and it would all be fine. And in fact, I had the idea that I would just take a lot of the clients from the company I used to work for because we had a good relationship. I didn't quite pan out as I thought because clients are actually quite loyal actually and won't just jump ship on a whim with some 20 year old who just set up their own business funny enough. Um, so yeah, I did that. And then, yeah, let's cut the story very quickly short. Uh, I then obviously got into doing the agency after I realized that doing it stuff and Wi-Fi and all that stuff was just a right pain. That's when I started doing the agency, doing Google AdWords management, a bit of SEO, uh, but generally AdWords management. And yeah, and then again, I realized even though this is cool and we, we are earning a lot of money and we seem to have business sorted because we've got clients that pay us every single month. So that's good because, you know, the initial lesson you learn in business, which is what I learned in the Wi-Fi company is you can't keep going to get new clients. That's a lot of work. You can't just get a client, get some money off them and then go and get another client. That's far too much work. You want to get a client and get them to pay you every single month. Then I then realized that's fine. But you've still got a client and you have to see them and ring, they ring you up, they email you, you've got to do them reports, they expect work. God, nightmare. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I was then trying to figure out there's got to be a way to make money without clients and without a boss and all that kind of stuff. And I met some affiliate marketeers who actually became <clears throat> clients of us and we did some AdWords for them back when AdWords was cheap and we could actually make it work. Um, they, were, they were selling all sorts of things. And, um, well, that's that's what I need to do affiliate marketing couldn't figure out how on earth i was going to do that and i bought some sites off flipper i was also looking at youtube at the time and uh, yeah um we had an investor again a bit like dragons then coming to our agency me and him didn't get on he then bought me out so i had a chunk of money and i could like sit and relax and go okay what am i going to do i want to do youtube that's the first thing i thought so i started wp eagle started doing wordpress tutorials and then it just twigged and i thought okay i can also do affiliate marketing now because i can promote hosting and domains and then i saw the opportunity to create a tutorial around making an affiliate marketing website which was one of my first tutorial videos where i made cycle zombie merch was it <laughs> using WooZone and some other horrible plugins and bits and bobs but that really then pushed my channel forward because it turned out there was a lot of people out there looking to make affiliate marketing websites and they followed my tutorial i mean i hadn't actually at that point created any affiliate or had any affiliate marketing websites that had done particularly well but i knew how to use wordpress and i knew how to build a site uh, it was only later that i did like the case study like best Box, where i actually thought okay i'm going to build a site but i'm also going to try and make a ton of money out of it and Thankfully, it worked. Yeah. But yeah, that's nice. it. But um, in terms of there was a question earlier about how much money you should have. And, and oh, we're not hitting those deep. yet. We're not hitting those yet. We're not into that. Sorry. No. Yeah, that's how I got into it anyway. So I did have a little bit of safety that my parents supported me. But I've got to say, um, you know, I, I burned through that initial money pretty quick when I did the Wi-Fi stuff. And it did get pretty hairy at some points in terms of trying to make money. I was also selling equipment, which I found was Again, a nightmare because I had to spend money to buy equipment and then wait to get paid. And there was that old cash flow thing. And it, it got quite trickier than, you know, you get to the end of the year and suddenly you've got a tax bill. And, okay, well, where's all that money that I need to pay? Oh, I've spent it all. Uh, you know, all that kind yeah. of stuff that you do when you have a business. Right, right. <laughs> got it. Okay. And then for me, I 
had a corporate job, probably most similar to what Mark was doing. And I did that for about 10 years or so. And then for the last two, I was dabbling with affiliate marketing and the side hustle stuff and found smart passive income, all that. And I got laid off in 2015. At that point, I didn't have like revenue coming in on a regular basis, or at least not enough. Um, maybe like 1500, 2000 a month. So nice on the side, but not replacement income. But like, I, I think all of us had sort of this similar, a, a similar um, experience where we knew that we could earn money and we had earned quite a lot in a short time. So like once you realize that you can do it and then you have the confidence to like try it again and like we're all naive enough to like give it a shot again, then you're like, oh, if I did it before, like, I mean, I could do at least as good as I did before. Like maybe I'll get better. So I thought that. And then like, like Mark, my wife was still working full time. So that sort of eased the 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 stress but you know i i didn't have you know and she'd be able to cover like all of our expenses plus like we had um we had, we had a lot of savings like by the time i stopped so even if even if i didn't earn anything like we wouldn't want to touch any of the savings but like there was it was lower pressure i guess and we just mm-hmm. kind of you know we're we're low low um risk people just in general so um as we are, go ahead. Just talking about risk and that, I think there's a balance there though, because if you do have some of that risk and you don't have so much of a, a buffer zone of, of a kind of safety net, does that yeah. not kind of motivate you? <laughs> just yeah. think, you know, when you, or maybe that, that just makes you lose focus. I don't know. I guess there's a balance there between, you know, because if you're just sitting on a ton of savings, you might just think, well, do I even have to do anything today? Whereas if you are running low on funds and you've got some bills coming in, that, that's kind of some serious motivation, isn't it? Right. Well, for me, per, I think you're 100% right. And everyone has to look at their own motivation. For me, I did not want to get another fucking job. Like, I didn't want to interview. So, like, the the penalty of having to get another job was just as high as, like, failing altogether. <laughs> and just... So, that was like, your motivation, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I was like, I don't want to work for someone else again. Like, once you taste the freedom of like working on your own. Um, that said, I know some people aren't motivated by the same things as I am. And, um, that's a, it's a frequent topic. Like how do you, how do you stay motivated to work on something for like several months or years? And you don't know if it's going to work out. Like I can do that without much of an issue at all. But some people are like, I need to see like, this is working in the first few weeks or I like can't keep going. But, um, yeah, some people are like, um, there's so many different uh, cliches, like, you know, burn the bridge, like burn the boats. There's a lot of fire involved with it, but like <laughs> no escape plan is the idea, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, you can't, uh, yeah. I don't think you can, once you do leave, and I think there's like a time period anyway, after like six months or so when you work for yourself, that then you, you're basically unemployable anyway. Most most employers won't look at you. They won't want to touch you. They're like, well, this guy, he's taken the red pill. Don't go near him. So I think through no experience, but I think now post COVID, I I bet that is different. I bet people were like, you know, the everything shifted. So I bet if there's a big gap in your resume and you're like, I worked on my own projects for a couple of years, people mm. would be like, oh, okay. Now 
maybe not my old corporate jobs, especially if I have like tattoos yeah. all over my arms. They're probably, they're like, eh, I don't know. Just put a show on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, where'd you come in here with no shirt on guy? It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And what they're going to say, so you did your own projects for two months. So then what was that? Didn't work out. Is that why you're here? You lose it. What's up with you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Can I have um, a job, please? <laughs> okay. So we talked a little bit about the, um, I guess partially the risk, but some people are thinking like, okay, what revenue amount do I need to quit? And I think, you know, one piece, um, and I'll pitch my other podcast, um, mile high fi, and it is about personal finance and financial independence. And one of the big pieces that a person needs to understand is their expenses. So I think like before you could figure out, what revenue you need, you need to know your expenses. And I'm not talking about like, oh, I think I spend, you know, $5,000 per month. Like you need to know how much your expenses are. So probably you can go back into your historical data, look at your credit cards, look at your transactions and figure out over the past three years, you average whatever, 50,000 bucks a year, 60,000 or whatever it is. Right. And when you know that, then you have like a true estimate of what your expenses could be. There's always some, you know, wiggle room and stuff like that. But once you figure that out, you can understand how much you need to earn. So with that said, just to to lay that out as something that someone needs to figure out, um, we'll go to Mark first. As far as revenue, if someone came to you and said, Hey, I'm looking for some advice. I'm earning a little bit on the side. How much should I earn before I quit? Well, I think, yeah, I mean, you, you need to be, well, you need to be, uh, it depends which way you're looking at it here. Like if you're, if you want to have the same kind of lifestyle that you already have, and it's kind of reliable ish kind of income, then all you need is what you've, what you've already been getting, right? <laughs> that's all you, yeah. that's all you're going to need if, if that's like that. But if you're talking yeah. about, well, I'm not quite up to what I, where I need to be. Like, how long's the runway? Like, do I need, like, to be able to survive in that time, in that interim period? Then that's kind of a different question. And I think, I think it varies between the type of business that you're growing and how quickly is it are you going to acquire customers? Is it a, is it something that's that's slow, but like like small sales, but over time it becomes a big thing, or is it something else? Or um, and also your tolerance to like risk. Um, and when you're younger and you've got no family and everything, it's easier to be more blase about that kind of thing. You just get another job. And, um, but it, it really comes down to, yeah, a bit of math, isn't it? So, I mean, I think if you're, if you're worried and like, you're not, I think quite often, I think six months is a good like place to be. Um, like in, in order for like, if you can, if you can get six months of what you have monthly and that's your runway, you know, in theory, over that six-month period, you're going to start earning some money as well, and hopefully it'll be building up. So that six months becomes seven, eight, nine, ten, and hopefully then you kind of get there. So, um, But that's really broad. I mean, it depends on so many factors, I think, depending on the kind of business you're going into and, and that kind of thing. But I think six is generally a good cool, a good number, I'd say. And then on on a similar note, but not the same exact question, Alex, um, how important is it for someone to maybe put together like a business plan and like projections and all that kind of stuff, knowing that, you know, it's, pro it's probably going to be 
extremely wrong, right? Like yeah. we're making all these guesses and I've put together spreadsheets early on and showed my wife. And uh, if you follow it through, I'd have like a uh, $50 billion right now, right? Like obviously none of that shit happened. So yeah, yeah just, what about business, business plans? Plan? Well, just completely useless, especially the figures. Could you just literally make them up, pick them out the uh, air? <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's important. I think you need to probably be clear in your head what you're going to be doing, what your daily routine looks like and maybe set some targets. So if you are going to be doing a niche website, you're going to be doing a YouTube channel, whatever it is you're going to be doing, that's going to change your life. You need to think, okay, I'm doing a niche website. I'm going to publish five articles a week and, you know, set some plans in that way. And that way, you know, by the end of the year, I will have X number of articles that might be generating me. And then you can maybe put a monetary figure on it as an idea. Um, but obviously kind of very loose. But I think setting some targets in terms of your productivity is a good idea. You know, forecasts and projections and all that are probably not very good. And you should also be clear in your head what you're going to be doing. I mean, if have you got a niche? Have you got a you know a topic? What are you going to be doing? Get that clear. Maybe write that down with actionable points that you can do every week. I think you're absolutely right, though, about in terms of how much money do you need. It's going to depend on each person. And maybe you want to look at your existing um, lifestyle and your finances break them all down in the spreadsheet that is important so that you know okay i need two thousand a month um but then maybe look at that two thousand a month and go okay you know rent or mortgage yeah okay well, i need to pay that food yeah i need that one but then whatever going out coffees you could maybe cut tattoos. a few of them out because yeah it's a lot of the pressure off if you can bring that down and keep your expenses as low as possible um then you don't have to kind of earn so much to cover that if you can bring it's easier to bring them down than it is to maybe get money in quickly so Looking at your expenses, I don't want this to turn into an accounting stream because that would be dull. But yeah, if you, it's what you can kind of keep hold of. And my accountant, who was also Danish and also an accountant, he used to say things like, it's not what you earn, it's what you keep, which is kind of true to a certain degree. But then, you know, you can't make money without spending money, can you? So I don't know. There's a balance there. But yeah, you can definitely reduce expenses. And um, it, it certainly takes the pressure off. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Um, quick note, we will answer uh, lots of questions. I have been marking the ones, so we'll come to those in uh, a few minutes here. And a quick request to hit the thumbs up and like the video if you're watching the replay, uh, you know, leave a comment, all that kind of stuff. Now, um, Adam, I want to go to you again, uh, s similar ideas, but you had a situation that was kind of similar to what I think a lot of people run into. So you sold a site and you had a chunk of money, right? And you were like, yeah. okay, I could do this. And then you went from there. So how did you manage? And if you're able to share, I don't know if you mm -hmm. are, but you, can you give us a ballpark of like how much you sold it for, what you brought home? And then you were like, all right, yeah. fuck, I could do this. And then how did you approach it just in general? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I had, it was $60,000. Um, so it was about 50,000 um, pounds, which, which yeah, I guess it's, it's, it's a big chunk of money. Uh, like I say, it was, it was more than what I was making in my yearly salary as my job. So it was, a, it was a good chunk of money. It was like 12 month runway. And um, <clears throat> I quit. And honestly, because I'd been working at the agency and it was like a, a demanding role and I'd been working on my site pretty much every evening and most weekends I quit. And then I just literally took like a month and a bit off. Like I didn't do anything. I was like, this is great. Like I'm, I've made it now. Like uh, I don't have to do anything. And then, uh, 
very quickly realized like, yeah, actually that's not the reason why I quit. I, I quit, but, but I, I took some time off because I was tired more than anything. Like I, I'd been working crazy hours building the science stuff. Um, and then, um, yeah, so it's about a month and a half off and then I bought another website and I, my, the plan was literally to just do the same thing again. Like in my head, I was like, okay, well, if I've done it once, then I just need to put the same effort in and I, I, I can do it again. Uh, and this time, hopefully I can get there quicker or bigger because I can give it more time and focus and, and attention. And I think having worked in like corporate, like corporate jobs or traditional jobs for years prior, that gave me the, once I started working on, on, on sites again, that gave me that framework. I felt like I had to work like set hours. I wasn't in like a mind frame of, oh, I'll just work two hours a day or I'll, you know, I'll get up whenever I get up and then I'll start. I, I stuck to quite rigid hours then, like almost treated it like a full-time job again, like start at nine, finish at five, take an hour for lunch and, and do it that way. Um, and yeah, I, I, nothing in my lifestyle really changed much apart from I didn't go to the office anymore. I still stuck pretty much to the same hours. I felt like I was working just as hard. Um, and I was still still doing lots of the lots of the actual things for the website myself. I was still doing lots of the initial writing for that second site. I was still doing lots of the, like all, all the research. Um, but yeah, I didn't feel like my lifestyle didn't change too much apart from having that break between selling and quitting and then starting again. Um, apart from I didn't have anyone to answer to uh, and I didn't, I didn't go to an office essentially. Mm-hmm. And you said you took like a month and a half sit, just kind of hanging out. Yeah, it was about it was about a month and a half. Yeah, and I and I, I didn't do much. Um, it, it felt like um, <laughs> it just it felt new and exciting. You know, I like I yeah. I didn't have to get up then, and I could watch telly in the middle of the day, and uh, I could go out whenever I wanted to, and I could go to the gym in the middle of the day, and yeah. it, it just felt fun and exciting. Um, but then very quickly re- I realized like this is not why I quit my job. Um, yeah, that that sixty thousand dollars is not going to last me very long <laughs> if right. I don't do anything. So what, what did your wife say? I'm just. Like when you're sitting around, because my wife would be like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's really supportive. To be fair, uh, like she's 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 been really supportive throughout since we've been together. Like, um, I talked to her. We we literally had a, the, the conversation the one night. So I said to her, "I was going to go in." We didn't even discuss going in and dropping down to three days a week. I just said to her, "Like, this is what I'm going to do." Yeah. And then when I when they they said no, when I came home, we just had. A, like a one evening conversation about quitting my job. Um, she's like, yeah, if you want to do it, then go for it and I'll support you. And I did. And, um, she was, she was cool with it. I think she saw how hard I'd been working on the site and like, I don't think she'd be me having a couple of weeks off, to be honest. I think she would have become a bit, uh, a bit more, um, worried if I'd, you know, if that had gone on for like three, four or five months and, we didn't have any money coming in and stuff, but she was working as well at the same time. So it was all good. Got it. Okay, cool. And one more request for uh, more questions. We're going to hit those in just a second here. And kind of on that note, I'm going to transition into like spouses, parents, partners, like other people that are impacted by the decision to go full time. And then we'll finish up with, how long to earn like replacement income? What's a decent estimate? And then we'll hit those questions. So I'll go first as far as the spouses and stuff. So my my wife 
has not been as supportive. However, when I did get laid off, she was like, you can give it a shot. Like I have seen you be successful in this area. And the, we lived in Bozeman, Montana at the time, which fairly low population, uh, like 50,000. And we have lived in cities with like multiple millions uh, in the suburbs and such. So much easier to get a job in a big hub like that. But we were essentially in the middle of nowhere. But it has been, you know, I would say contentious at times because I'm like, I can do this. I can make it work. I can I can do it. Um, and it's always been a bit of a, a struggle, like a little back and forth. And uh, e- even through the years being successful and earning far more than I would at a corporate job, it's still been um, a a battle because I, I don't see what we do as risky because we figured out how to earn money on our own and you could do it again. You can go to different um, venues. We could do it online. We could do it offline. You could do services. You could sell court. Like there's all these different opportunities. And if you work at a corporate job, you can get laid off. And I, you know, some, some people will say, ah, you're, you're, my manager's great. My manager is going to take care of me, but you know, you go one level up, uh, they, they don't care about you really at all. Like they'll lay you off in a second and you're just a number, even in smaller companies, by the way, I've seen it happen so many times. So it has been a struggle and only through, um, you know, being successful, I think has it been able to work out for me. I think if I had, you know, a couple of years where I earned a smaller, like a small amount as early on, it would have been a major issue and I'd be interviewing for jobs and stuff. So it's, the struggle is certainly real. And some, you know, some people have more of a traditional idea of a job and they just can't put their head around entrepreneurship. Of course, entrepreneurs are like, I can't imagine working at a job. So it's the same, it's the same coin, just the other side. So show of hand, like you guys, I don't know who wants to go first. Any thoughts on like working with a spouse or partner, or maybe you had a situation with your parents or friends or something where they're like, ah, I don't know if you should quit that job. My parents, by the way, they were like, sure, whatever. You're still working with computers. Like they, they they didn't really understand what I was doing anyway. So Mm. yeah. Who wants to go here? Somebody want to I can go. Yeah. Like um, before I, before I go, I just want to caveat, like I mentioned about six months earlier, I was like an arbitrary number. Like, if we, we always talk about niche sites and I wasn't even thinking in that, in that context, don't quit your job and, and expect your niche site to replace your income unless you're living in a, a part, oh, nice. part of the world where the cost of living is like really low. Like that's not, that's, that's not going to be enough time. Like I was thinking more about selling services at the time. That's kind of what I was doing. And that's where I had my headspace. Of course, if you're going to be a freelancer, you can probably get that job like pretty get a job and re- get replaced with income pretty quickly. So it really depends on what type of stuff you're doing. So if you're starting a niche site, don't expect to be able to get <laughs> six months isn't runway isn't really enough. You need to start it on the side first. So I just want to caveat that before everyone goes and quits their job. Um, it's too late. Everyone's already quit is, their job. They're hoping they're going to get a notice. <laughs> Quick, call your boss back. I didn't mean it. <laughs> I didn't mean it. Lord said. Um, the other thing is um, – yeah, so I think like my wife's like always been like massively supportive as well. Like no matter what, like and times get times like when you're in business. Like when I have my other agency in particular, like things like sometimes just got like really bad, like really really bad, where you just weren't paying yourself like months on end. And uh, and but I, like you get to a point, 
I think where Alex mentioned, like, there's no way, like no matter what, there's no way going back and getting another job. Like things were really bad. Things were really stressful. And like, you know, you work crazy hours, like compared to like a nine to five job, but there's just, just something about it. It's just like, I can make this work and, but there's just no way I'm going back. And, um, I think my wife's always respected that. She's never, ever like gone, why don't you just, why don't you go on, why don't you just go back and get a job? Whereas my dad, like he's so old school, like he was just scared. He was just so scared for me that I was mm. quitting a job and he just thought I was crazy, like quitting a job. He, he thought I was crazy when I was young. I used to, when I first left school, I didn't go to university for three years and I got a job in insurance. I was working in insurance for three years and he thought I was crazy to quit that and go to university. He was like, but you've, you're, you're on the ladder, like to like, you know, you can be a manager or like a branch manager yeah. one day or whatever. Really like it's like 50 grand a year by the time you're 50. What's wrong with you, boy? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah. And I remember him like, he was like, you could see his own, his own fear in like, for him, like that's doing entrepreneurship or running a business would never, he, he was like, he, he worked that, you know, the job all his life. Like, uh, he was, um, oh, what's the word? Uh, civil servant. Like he kind of, you know, did all those kind of things. And, and even like when t- things were tough with the agency, like he was always like, why don't you just get a job? <laughs> no, like there's just not yeah. an option, no matter what. And, but yeah, my same with Adam, really. My wife's like never ever questioned it. And like, I don't think she just, I think she believes in me as well. Like she knows what I can do. Or like knows that I've, things go up and down and yeah, just has that belief. So yeah, I've always been quite lucky there. Nice. What do you think, Alex? I think that, yeah, generally family, friends, spouses, other people are not going to get what you're doing. They're going to say things like, why don't you just go and get a job? Like I talk about my accountant. He'd, he'd say, he'd look at like sometimes I'm having a bad year or a bad month, look at the company accounts and he'd go, well, you've hardly earned anything this year. Why don't you just go and get a job in London? You know, you were earning, you're earning 60 grand a year in London. Why don't you just go back to London? Like, because I have to go to London every freaking day. You have to get up at <laughs> six in the morning. What do you think? And, and again, my wife, who wasn't my wife when I started all this, she was just my partner. In fact, I met her just after I started the wireless thing. She didn't believe that, especially when I started doing YouTube. She thought that was just a bit of fun and I'd have to go and do something properly for all, after that. Um, my parents, again, very traditional. My father worked for BT, which is the British Telecom, which is like the national phone company. It was a national phone company all of his life, pretty much. Um, and my mother was a teacher. She just you know worked as a teacher all her life. And I remember them saying this uh, to me all the time when I was young and to basically everyone. This is what, because it was obviously passed down from their parents, which was basically you go to school, you go to university, you get a job, you work hard. That's, that's life. That's what you got to do. And yeah. So it's quite difficult because I know when you're listening to some of the ebooks or you're reading the self-help books or you're watching YouTube videos, a lot of those gurus that are, you know, all about making loads of money, they'll say, get rid of your wife, screw your family. Don't talk to them. If they're not going to be on your side, if they're not in the same kind of energy field as you get rid of them. Sometimes you do think that (laughs) because people just can't see, especially when time, especially when times are bad, they're they're often, they don't have the same drive or mentality of, of, of that. You know, we can do it kind of, they'll be like, maybe you need to do something different. You know, maybe you need to, you know, update your CV and all that kind of stuff. They don't. Yeah. It can be hard. It can be really hard. I think can can cause friction. You're lucky to have a wife that has been supportive and and with you all the way. But I think for most people, that can be a real uh, bit of friction. 
And and mm. uh, as you, as you said, Mark, it takes at least six months to have forty grand a year off a niche. Show. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> no, it takes a lot longer. And and sometimes you know your your partner <laughs> and your family's patience ain't going to be that long, and they're yeah. going to go, what the, what the fuck is he doing? Yeah. Sitting up on his computer every day yeah. in his room with the, with the curtains closed. What's he doing up there? <laughs> Just watching YouTube, talking to a camera. Um, and then on, on the, on the, just on the flip side of that, though, yeah. um, <clears throat> once you've done that, it's uh, it's it's hard to go the other way around. Then to be to be you almost. I, I found anyway. In, in, I'll just give my my own personal experience. I found I'm being too supportive of my wife when she wants her own business. Then and she doesn't have the same desire so my wife runs like a little cake business she makes brownies and cupcakes and things and it got to the point to the tipping point really where she was too busy to do that and her job and I was like well quit your job obviously that was my first like quit quit your job and do the do the cake and the cake stuff full time and we get you a little shop and things like that and she's like oh no I don't think I want to do it full time I'm like and I, 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 I then couldn't Mm. I struggled supportive of that decision because I, I couldn't get my head around why she would want to stay at a job then rather than quit to do her own thing. Um, so it works both ways. Like, yeah. And the most people, they don't want to do their own thing. We've, we spoke about yeah, this before. Yeah. Some people do just want to do the nine to five, get in from work, crack open a beer, sit down on a sofa, turn TV on. Just, it all goes out of their mind, all of that stuff until the yeah. next morning when the alarm clock goes off and they go, <laughs> work again. Yeah. Yeah. But then by the five o'clock, they're fine again. It's, it's all done. And they don't, they, I mean, there is, um, I think we've touched on it before. When you do start up your own stuff, there's going to be times where it's not going to be going well and money's going to be tight and stuff's going to be going wrong. And especially when you're running an agency or a traditional business, it, it can get really stressful. Clients are shouting at you and you've got bills to pay and you've got no money coming in and, you know, pay, payment, all that stuff. And that can really test a relationship and just test your, your kind of psyche in general. A lot of people, they don't want that. They don't want that. I mean, of course, we all know that if you can push through that and it, and build your resilience from that, it makes you so strong and confident that then nothing really can touch you because you you know that you've done that and you've been through it and you can keep the wall from the door, which is, is so empowering. But a lot of people, they don't want to go through that that stuff and break out of that comfort zone. Right. Yeah. And then are, are you guys good on time to go a little bit later, by the way? Anybody have to go? Okay. Um one other area of this is uh, in-laws as well. So I mentioned my wife wasn't fully supportive and she communicated that to her parents some, right? So I had no control over the message. You guys see where this is going. And they didn't really appreciate it. Of course, my wife got a lot of her values of jobs and stuff and the impression of jobs from her parents. So me going my own route didn't fly very well. You know, they never said anything to me personally, but like, I think they felt like maybe I was taking advantage of, you know, my wife was still working and I was doing my own thing. And the funny thing is like some of my most profitable years were times when they thought I was doing bad and I'm like, I'm fucking crushing it. Like I, like I, I don't, I can't tell you how much I'm making, but you guys would be really happy if you had an idea, but they thought I was like struggling, <laughs> which was it's just laughable uh, again. Cause I couldn't control the message. So I think over time they've like, they see what I've done and now people know what podcasts are and people know like YouTube 
is a viable route to do things and they can see that like that stuff does work. So I think now they're like, wow, it's just amazing what you've done. But for a couple of years, they were like, what are you even doing? Like you're clearly wasting your time. Go get a job. Like go, go get that consulting job where people know the name of the company. Do you think they still think the, you know, you haven't got a real job? Um, more or less. I mean, I, I live a pretty leisurely, um, life. So I yeah. think, yeah, I, I think that, but they, they do see like, like I have been successful and now, you know, my wife says, Oh, it's crazy what he's done. So they, like, they understand, yeah. uh, sh- she relayed it, but yeah, I mean, none of them get it still. I don't think none of them get it. Even yeah. my wife and my family, none of them get it. Right. Yeah. And there, yeah, but I don't care. I don't care. I like to just keep it down low anyway, and whatever. I mean, they, they, you know, like I can't understand. Like tomorrow, it still blows my mind, and that's why I guess then if it's blowing my mind, it's not going to even go into this. That there's 50 people have paid to come and have a beer with me in York through YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's so it's so crazy. Yeah, it's it's, it's absolutely <laughs> and, uh, amazing. It's amazing stuff, right? And I think, yeah, my my wife still finds it quite awkward when people ask, you know, what 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 does he do? She goes, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> websites, yeah, websites. On the websites. Yeah. Well, you know what? On that note, um, you know, I traveled back to Atlanta a couple times, and I would like leave uh, my in laws, and I was like, hey, yeah, I have a meetup. So just what you're saying, Alex, I'm like, yeah, there's people that are. We're all just gonna go hang out. It was actually during COVID, so we like went to a park and hung out outside and like hung out for a few hours. So yeah, I think like when that stuff starts happening, where there's like external people in a different location and they like show up because you you said you're going to be there. That's when it's like, Oh, well that's something right. Um, Okay. So let's move on to how long-term replacement income. And I'll I'll go first here and I'll plug uh, one of my favorite podcasts, the tropical MBA. And they have a concept called the thousand day rule. And basically in a nutshell, It takes about three years, roughly a thousand days to earn replacement income, assuming you had some, you know, corporate type job. So for me, it was, it was roughly that if you, if you back up to when I first started um, affiliate marketing at all. So by, so I started in 2013, I got laid off in 2015 and by 2016, I'd you know, replace six figure income. So you had to back it up and I had a little overlap, but I think three years, two to three years, depending on what your skill set was before you could replace it. So it varies, maybe a year and a half for some people. It might be four years for others, but I think three years is probably a good gauge. And if you're thinking about it from day one, you're like, that is a really long time. But if you zoom out and you're like in five years, do I want to work for myself and be comfortable and be able to take like a month vacation, then three years is probably worth it. So we'll just go around here and then we'll hit the questions from the audience. So uh, Alex, why don't you go first? How long? Yeah, obviously it depends on how much you're earning in the first place and where you, where you want that, whether you want to match that again. You've got to give it at least a year. I think I... probably just check actually it was about a year and a half i think when i started i remember i had a really good month once 
uh, in terms of commissions. And I was, I like pulled in five figures in the month from just one affiliate program. And I thought, wow, now, now we're proper, but you know, that didn't last. And like all these things <laughs> with these incomes that we create, they do kind of fluctuate a little bit and go up and down and, and that kind of thing. But yeah, I'm pretty sure it was about a year and a half. Um, and then the money was kind of consistent every single month, pulling in a good four figures every month, which is, is was perfect. Nice. Very good. All right, Adam, what do you, what do you think? Yeah. So, um, for me, like when, um, when I quit my job, uh, like I, I definitely wasn't on six figures, like you would Doug, or anything like that to replace someone. My bar was set quite a bit lower, I think. Um, and yeah, I bought another site like a, a month and a half after I finished and I, that site took off again quite quickly. Um, and I then used uh, more of the chunk of that 60,000 to buy another site. So I actually replaced my job income in about, I think it was about seven or eight months, but it's because I bought additional income. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't creating it from scratch basically. Um, I was, I was buying income. So it's, it's quicker if you've got capital to deploy like that. If you've got enough capital, you can create job replacement income overnight by buying a website that replaces your, your salary. Um, the problem comes is how do you get that chunk of cash up front? And usually that's the bit that takes a year, two years, three years to, to acquire that kind of capital, I guess, whether that's through working a side job, a side hustle, starting a website and then growing it and maybe flipping it or whatever. I, I think that's the key to is to try and acquire some capital, which you can then use to, to create job replacement income elsewhere or in other ways. Perfect. Would you ever, and just a quick sign up, would you ever borrow money to invest in a website? Well, <laughs> yeah. So interestingly, before I met Mark, um, I was going down that route. So my path would have been very different right now. I pulled together a pitch deck. I'd had a partner who had run and exited a business for multiple millions as a, like a co-founder. And we were about to raise, uh, almost a bit like, uh, on Folio did, you know, raise capital to go and purchase assets, websites and run them and, and grow them and flip them. Um, so yeah, as a business that was on the table and I was going down that route before I met Mark personally, I've never borrowed money to do that. Um, and I think it depends on the situation now. So, Currently, where I've got a, you know, my website income is is a decent chunk every every month. I'd feel a lot more comfortable now borrowing money to buy more assets, safe in the knowledge that if it failed, I could still pay the service that day. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, and I, I'm a big believer of, I'm a big believer in debt if used the right way. Like historically, we're at the lowest interest rates we've ever had. And I have this argument with my, I've got a twin brother and our mindsets are like total opposite. And I have this argument with him all the time. His, his main primary goal in life is to pay off his mortgage. And I'm like, Josh, don't do that. It's the cheapest debt you'll ever have. Like if you can take that money and you can make his interest rate is fixed for five years for like 1.7%. I'm like, if you can take that money and make more than 1.7%, don't pay off your mortgage. And he just can't get his head around that. Why, why does um, he want to pay off his mortgage? Because that's what he's been told probably by your parents. Yeah. yeah it, it's, I think lots of people are, are have that mindset. Lots of – so my friends, Jess's friends, lots of them when they seem to get into their kind of 30s and 40s, their mindset is to pay off their mortgage early because it, it symbolizes freedom to them. They don't – you know, they you have made it on the game of life. You've won. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if anything, like I tell them, go the opposite way. Like if if – 
if you've if you've got a plan to use the money, if you've got a plan to use the money, like go the other way and mm-hmm. keep that money. You could be enjoying that money or just doing something else with it rather than giving it all to the bank. Yeah, this is a. I mean, but, uh, yes, it takes the pressure off going forward because if you are going to quit your job and you paid your mortgage off, then at least you're talking about expenses. You bought them way down, haven't you? Yeah, but yeah. It, it, but I yeah, think about using debt. I think they, the uh, experts call it leverage. Leverage. Yes. When leverage, you use debt yeah. to create more money. So, but you wouldn't you wouldn't say you know go and buy a website on a credit card or something like that. I, I'd be I'd be comfortable doing that now. Because again, I've got, I've got, but I, because I've got the income to service that debt if it failed, uh, and yeah. I've got a, over the over the years, I've got a pretty good track record of not of picking sites that don't tend to fail. Like they, I've definitely picked failures in the past, but you know, my track record's pretty good. So I, I definitely would feel comfortable if someone came along to me today and said, "Borrow a hundred thousand pound off me for two percent over five years," I would say yes. So if anybody's listening and has got a spare hundred grand, they want to lend me at two percent. I'd take it all day long. Yeah. But on the flip then, side, then if someone was kind of new to this game and they said, oh, you know, I really want to kind of hit the ground running. Should I go to the bank and borrow 20 grand to buy a website? What would you say to them? No, it depends on your situation. Like, like I said, it, it, de- it depends on your tolerance for risk and it depends on your, your, your situation. If you've, It's going to be quite risky because they've never done it before. No, well, no, definitely yeah, not yeah. there. Don't do it if you've never done it before. Yeah, yeah. Well, then you see a nice website on Motion Invest or wherever, and it's pulling in. <laughs> don't see nice, nice websites on Motion Invest. Come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and, and I'll jump in and disagree um, with Adam on this because you're you're saying um, you're saying you would get it with a credit card, but not at like twenty one percent interest. You would borrow money at like two percent or like. Yeah, yeah. Okay. If if I could borrow money at like in at mortgage rates, like right. mortgage interest rates, like a couple of percent, then yep. I would be leveraged to the hilt to go right. to buy more websites. Yeah. Yep. And and um, I was going to say the paying off the mortgage is a big debate in the personal finance and financial independence community. So another plug for the Mile High Five podcast. But yeah, it's it's a psychological thing, right? Because we could look at the spreadsheets and we're like, okay, low interest rates. That debt is really cheap right now. Inflation's kicking in, right? So those dollars are even like less, right? So it's a it's a great deal, but your monthly cash flow that's required is different. So you have to look at everything. And I mean, it really is just like, if you sleep better at night, it's like one of those rules, not look at the spreadsheet and like, this is the right way to do it. Um, But yeah, I mean, we have a mortgage and it makes sense to have one. So I think it comes back to literally like the most basic of, of formulas. Can you borrow money at a cheaper rate than you can make money? And if you can, then it makes sense to borrow money and put that money into something that makes you more. Like, and right. and that doesn't have to be websites. Like, if you can borrow money at two percent and you can invest in the stock market over twenty years and it averages ten percent every twenty years and you're paying two percent, you're making eight percent for free from someone else. That is what banks do. Like, this is what you become a bank. A bank will borrow money off people all day long and pay them little interest and then put it to work elsewhere. A higher interest. Yep. You you, you just have that to have works, a yeah. mindset. Hey, we buy a property. You buy out. You could buy a property. Get a buy to let mortgage. You let it out. Yeah. Someone else is paying off that debt for you. You make exactly. money. Yeah. Me, me, Mark. I've talked about this before, and I, I'm guilty of not doing it all my life. But I, I've got to the point now where whenever I have a so like I think I always try and think of things as ass in my life as an either an asset or a liability. Like 
an asset will pay me money or liability will cost me money. So my car that I pay month, monthly for, and that's a bad example, like I'm, st- I'm still a human, I like a nice car, but my car is a liability. It costs me money every month. It doesn't make me money. But on the flip side, whenever I tr- own a liability in my life, I always try and buy an asset that will cover that with cash flow. So when I bought my car, and my car is whatever the payment, the monthly payment is, I bought a website at the same time that cash flows my monthly car payment. So it's not me now that's paying for the car, essentially, because over the course of five years and the car is paid off, I still own that asset. I haven't lost anything on it, assuming that it doesn't go tits up. And it's still then producing the same cash flow at the end. And it's still got the same value. So I'm I always try and I'm always trying to balance my life between assets and liabilities now. That's classic Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I've never that, read that book. I've never that read that book. They're missold and mistold is when you buy a house with a mortgage to live in, you've got an asset, but it's not an asset. It's a liability. The house you live in is a liability, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Because it just takes money out of you, whether it be mortgage, bills, uh, renovations, maintenance. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway, Any other? We'll do a quick couple of questions and then wrap it up, I guess. <laughs> yep, yep. And if anybody needs to drop, feel free. Um, we'll we got a couple questions here that I marked. So this one is from Andy, and if you go full time but you have just one site making money, what would be the next step? Build a second site, diversify the current site, something else. Anyone have initial thoughts on this? Want to go first? It depends on the scope of the site you've already got. I mean, so you'll be able to know, depending on the site, whether there's a scope to build it up. If there's scope to build it up, then you build it up. You do more of what's working. If you think you're completely saturated on that one in terms of content, there's not a lot more you can do with it, then, yeah, you go for a second site, I guess. Okay, and I'll jump in for the counterpoint. Don't worry about the second site. And I would say if you have a site and it's earning some money and you've saturated the content, like Alex said, like go back and improve the other content. There's a strong chance you're not ranking number one for all the terms that you can. And if you could rank number one for those, then you'll be earning like so much more money than you expect. I I think almost every stream, I'm like, people stop building new sites, like work more on the one that you have. All the big success stories that I have uh, where I interview folks, it's like they worked on one site for like three or four years and they didn't start another one. It was their sole focus. They kept iterating and iterating. So I think that's a much better move. It's harder to do because you're you're bored and you want to build something new and it's harder to iterate on the same thing over and over again. So just the counterpoint, Alex, I think, I mean, that's a viable route too. So Mark, Al, uh, Adam. I yeah. think it depends. It depends, really. It's, 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 it seems like it's a pretty straightforward question, but actually, there's, there's so many like it depends parts of that, <laughs> really. Like, if it's making you enough money, like I'm, I'm assuming it's making enough money that you've got money to then invest. You've got enough money to live and enough money to then invest in more content, a new site, or are you doing it yourself? Like, I don't know. Like, I think it depends on the site, as Alex says. So if you if you've got scope to grow, it, like if it's really grown, grown, got a lot of momentum behind it, then yeah, like we always say, put put your money or your time into the horse that's winning, the one that's really like taking off. If you've got more scope to grow it, then grow it. Um, but at some point, you you probably want to you're going to want to divide diversify out, especially if your income your life relies on it in case Google comes along one day. But um, all the time that it's it's showing great. Year, month on month growth and you, like definitely just keep investing in that 
Yeah. Okay. Adam, anything else you agree? Yeah. Just agree with, Okay. just agree with everything. I don't think I'd be adding anything new. Cool. All right. Uh, Amin says, what are your thoughts on fuck you money? How many months of spending is reasonable to have up front before thinking about going full time? So I'll just hop in and say, I think it's, you know, it's personal. We've talked a lot about risk tolerance and stuff like that. And, (coughs) you know, depending on how elastic your expenses are, if you can rein them in, I think, you know, you could have a little bit less, but you know, it's, it's really personal. You and your family got to figure that out. So Adam, any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I mean, just, Personally, I, like I didn't when I when I quit, I didn't think of how many months' salary I had from that sale because I knew I was going to buy another website out of it anyway. But you know, there was there was more than there was more than twelve months worth of of, of kind of savings there. I guess we call that savings, uh, but I didn't I didn't think of it that way. Um, so it, it comes down to your risk tolerance and how quickly you can think you, you think you can make things work and what you're going to do. Uh, like Mark said. If you've got six months worth of savings and you're going to start a, a, a brand new niche website, it's probably not a good idea if you've only got six months worth of savings. But if you've got a you know an, a service business and you've got you've been doing it on the side for a little while and you've got a, a reputation and you know if you quit your job and you could take on more clients and you're comfortable that you could do that pretty quick, then six months runway might be might be sufficient. It, it just depends on the situation, I think. All right. Alex, any thoughts? Yeah, it's whatever you're comfortable with, I think. But it's good to have a bit of a buffer. Six months, probably minimum. Yeah. But then you can always spend less, as I say, that that makes it last longer. Yep. And I think uh, one piece to add, like if you could do some like part-time work or something like that, maybe, you know, not an ideal job, but something where you can earn a little bit to add a buffer um, in addition to your sort of nest egg of runway like that could be another way just to temper it okay so let's move if you've on got a skill if you've got a skill then consultancy on consultancy works yep. then that's something that's really good because you can do a day's consultancy a week or whatever and that can really help supplement so if you're if whatever you do is cons- can be rolled into consultancy i think that works quite well as a counterbalance sometimes okay <laughs> nice all right uh this one's from dia not really related to the topic but what about sites who are stuck even with quality content do you think google is playing with our emotions um (laughs) not not specifically uh (laughs) i don't think they care about our emotions one way or the other (laughs) i don't think they're playing um i would say you know one thing i would look at is people often think their content is really quality and then when i go look it is not so i would look really hard at what you think is quality content because there's a chance it's it's not and i'm not saying you personally dia but i see it probably 80 percent of the time someone's like it's really good and it is not good it is bad so what do you guys think on on this one i think you've said it yeah Google's not messing around with any emotions. You think, oh, they sit in the office in Mountain View going, wow, how can we upset Adam today? He's got such good content, but we don't want good content on our search results page. Get him out the of here. Is, the truth is, like, sites plateau sometimes as well, even if you continue to work on them. Like, it, it doesn't always look like a perfect graph that goes up to the top right in a straight line. 
like you can be working on it and, and generally like i think that's a misconception is like actually it could be you, you know you can see it flatline for a while and then suddenly you'll get a big spike and then it'll flatline a bit longer that's kind of more you know kind of normal i mean i, I guess when you're doing content at scale it tends to look a bit smoother but like um it depends somebody like if you like how much po- how many it might be quality content but if you're only putting out three posts a month you're not going to be seeing any like attraction i think that's another misconception is like how many out what's the amount of content you have to create to actually start seeing stuff happen it's a lot more than you think <laughs> it's not but a lot more than what people think in the beginning you know one on one post a week probably not going to see much change over time you need to really scale it up so maybe the content's great but you're not doing enough yeah <clears throat> Okay. And in the interest of time, we'll, we'll kind of speed it up here. So Larkin says, uh, people asking what I'm actually doing to make money. If I quit my job, what do you actually tell people? How do you describe your niche website income to people? Yeah, we took that a few times Just say, yeah, website investing, you're, in, you're a website investor. Um, and then that generally gets people going like, well, what the hell is that? And ask questions rather. Yeah. Or well, you that, just give that, them an example that, about your site, whatever it's about. You say, I, this is how it works. If you want, but first of all, you say, I have a niche website based on how I publish content on the internet. And if someone wants, if that doesn't scare them off immediately, they actually do want to find out a bit more. Just give them a case study. So you say, okay, you know, I, I've got a website about lawnmowers. When people do a search on Google looking for the best lawnmower for a small garden, I've got a fantastic article that I've written. It comes up on Google. People find it. People click on some links. They go to Amazon and places, and when they buy buy that lawnmower, I earn a commission. And then the penny might drop in there. Ooh, you can do that. That makes sense. Yeah, cool. And then I think that covered it pretty well, so we'll move on to Stuart. Um, once you earn enough, <clears throat> excuse me, once you earn enough from your sites, how do you convince a bank that it's legit to give you a mortgage? Pretty sure my bank thinks I'm a drug dealer. So I'll cover this real quick for the US side. And basically, if you have uh, two years of revenue coming in, if two years of income, like that's sufficient. So as long as you have those two years, we got a mortgage and it was you know no, no issue at all. Um, but I had, you know, whatever, five years of my income. So it was clear. And and I mean, I have tax returns and all, all this, all the proof behind it. And it's very consistent and and all that stuff. So it was no issue at all. Um, As long as you're paying your taxes, that's what they look at over here. So is the same deal over there? Yeah. Just pay pay your taxes, get an accountant, either you're self-employed or you've got a limited company and Submit your taxes. Some some mortgages will do it with one year's worth of accounts if you're a limited company. Most will want two, but yeah, that's that's the so, only way you're going to get a bank to come to, to give you money if you yeah. if you pay your tax. If you do anything non-standard, like banks tend to freak out. They want you just to have like a nine to five. If it's especially the tradi- traditional kind of lenders, like I my last business, I bought on some um, some partners which which is why the whole thing imploded in the end but like i bought on some partners and we, we became equal shares in the business shares in the business except i'd built the business up to a certain point so we kind of said right all of the dividends up to this level are mine and then everything we do above that is shared like the bank could not get their head around that they were like well you're three equal partners it's equally split it's like no it's like here's the contract like up until here's my like that just blew their mind they just couldn't mm-hmm. they're just like no no, no it's just too non-standard for us we don't get it 
Gotcha. <laughs> so yeah, try and make it stand up, I guess. Get a mortgage if you don't have at least two years records. Yeah. Yeah. Of good earnings. That seems to be the standard. Okay. The P- my, I, I, got, I got my mortgage a long time ago when I had a proper job. It was easier. Yep. Oh, yeah. And actually, that's a, that's a tip right there. So if you are going to quit, go ahead, get your mortgage while you get a W-2. Um, I have a friend around here, and he like he, he's working at Amazon. So he was like, I'm going to buy the house, get the mortgage, and then he can quit after yeah. that. Once you've got it, you're fine. You can do what you want. It's just getting it. Yep. As long as you obviously got to keep paying it. Pete says, how hard is pure ad, a pure advertisement monetizing strategy offering no service except uh, helpful content and 90% organic search traffic? So, Adam, uh, you and I have talked a few times on my podcast about, you know, you, you purchase sites. A lot of times they're pure advertisements. So, yeah, what do you think yeah. starting from scratch? Um, you know, how hard is it? Scale of one to ten. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what a loaded question! Uh, I, I think it's uh, I think it's easier these days than creating an affiliate website. To be honest, the content is easier to is easier to create. It's typically less saturated for the higher like anything commercial these days. If it's got high search volume, is taken up by like um, you know Wirecutter, those kinds of websites, or like big newspapers that have those types. So. And the, the the opportunity with display ads and informational based content, I think, is huge. Um, it's the reason why I've pivoted my own portfolio to be like eighty to ninety percent display ad income, rather than the other way around, what it was a couple of years ago. So, yeah, I think it's easier. Okay. Any additional thoughts, Alex? Mark? No, but I think I don't think it's that hard. You just got to need to get a lot of content and a lot of traffic. I think a lot of people are now monetizing with ads. Yeah, rather than affiliate, it's really popular, and I would say in a year to maybe three years, it'll swing back. So I think we're seeing like everyone's doing uh, display ads right now, and it's like information, all information topics. So I think it'll get saturated. It'll swing back like it does. Um, okay, so we're going to wrap up here. Thanks everyone for asking questions. We're going to go around, hear what's going on with you guys. I'm going to go first because I think I know what's going on with you guys coming up this weekend. So I want to plug my uh, my podcasts. So I got The Doug Show and Mile High Fi. There's links in the description. I cover a lot of success stories. There's been some really interesting ones in the last few weeks. And if you haven't subscribed to the channel I publish usually like one to two videos per week. A lot of times uh, they're success stories. Sometimes they're um, like case studies. Like I'm working with niche website builders, Mark and Adam on a case study, publishing a bunch of content. So there's, there's all sorts of content related to that stuff. And then I also talk about like retiring early, the financial independence, and that's mile high five. So it's really, it really ties in well. We didn't touch on some of that, but if you're aiming to just like have options, that's really like, I think one of the best ways, I mean, entrepreneurship fits in really well. You could earn money, work for yourself, all that kind of stuff. So with that said, Alex, what's going on well, with it's you? It's a gathering. Yeah, that's the main thing. Tomorrow uh, is the um, fringe event. And then the big day is on Friday. So looking forward to that. That's the main thing I've got to report. I think it's probably too late to get a ticket, possibly. Then there may be still some available. Sure. But you can, I think the, uh, you can still get a digital ticket today if you want to join us online. It's still going to be professionally streamed. And I'm hoping to catch some footage and I'll maybe drop a few videos on there, but we'll see how it goes. Gotcha. And, and uh, you're, you're doing a talk, right, Alex? 
Yeah, yeah. Are you nervous? Are we, what? What's yeah, your, no, I've done, done public speaking for for a long time, and then when I did used to do public speaking, I never thought it was that good. So we'll see how it goes. But I'm just going to decided I'm because Carl, <laughs> I think the Carl, he came on the stream last night, and he said I've written like five pages for my talk. I'm going to be reading it off the lecture or whatever. I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing that. So um, I've got some bullet points. I, I kind of want to encompass what we have been talking about over the last few weeks um and the kind of lifestyle aspect of what we do because there's people there um that are far more um well versed in you know more technical things like keyword research content creation seo all that kind of stuff so i don't want to do any of that techie stuff i want to talk about more things that we talk about about how life-changing this stuff is so um it's only 20 minutes and i know that when you get up on stage and start talking the time goes like that doesn't it and i just I've got a few bullet points I want to talk about and maybe take a bit of interaction from the crowd. And yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. As cool, long man. as I don't get too drunk on the, on tomorrow night, that's yeah, going to be yeah. the trick. Cause I think <laughs> doing it with a hangover might, might be a struggle. That's awesome. Good <laughs> luck. Have fun. Have fun doing that, man. All right. Adam. Uh, yeah, so we are going to the affiliate gathering event as well. We're traveling up tomorrow, which means we don't have our usual planned live stream going out tomorrow. Although we may go live at some point if we can grab a couple of people and just, I don't know, say hello from the affiliate gathering up in York. Um, and then on Tuesday next week, we have our Age Domain Tuesday um, stream, which is going really well. This week, we covered backlinks, so what to look for in a backlink profile. And next week, we are covering anchor texts. So we're trying to take it a little bit back, more back to basics, kind of go uh, deep on like specific topics. So next week is, is all about anchor text, what a good anchor text is, what it means, what a bad anchor text looks like, um, potentially how you fix bad anchor texts. I don't know. We haven't figured out the full topic yet. Um, <laughs> And then the other thing that we do on those streams is is we delve into um, two of our age domains that are for sale on our website. Um, and people seem to love that because we, we do like the due diligence live on the stream as though we would do it normally. And then we cover off like our ideas around what we would do with the website, look at competitors, look at what kind of content's working well for them, look at what programs they're using, how they're monetizing, that kind of stuff. So yeah, we'll cover another two of those next week. Um, and we also have our own event, which is a digital event. So if you can't travel to York, uh, we have our building empires. Is it building.empires.live, Mark? Yep. So go to building.empires.live, register for our event in June. Uh, both Doug and Alex are speaking there as well. And we've got loads of other people speaking. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a free digital event. So if you, if you can't make York and you still, still want to go to an event online, then sign up for that too. Cool. And I think and that's it. And, and I realized, Mark, uh, Adam said everything. So what's the number one thing you're looking forward to for affiliate gathering? Maybe people I'm are looking forward. to meet. Yeah, go ahead. I'm, I'm not forget affiliate gathering. Like I'm looking forward to our event now when Ricky's coming, you know? So Ricky's going to be, uh, you know, <laughs> building empires. He's ditched affiliate gathering and he's going to be a building empire. So, um, yeah. So. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, Like, yeah. I, I'm not so bothered about talks. It's about networking, meeting the people. I'm really excited about meeting. There's loads of people like us that we talk online all the time and uh, not actually met in the real world. So I'm looking forward to that. Awesome. Yeah, that's what it's all about really, isn't it? Very cool. So uh, we do this show every week. We're going to be, I think, on uh, the Niche Website Builders channel next week, right? We are. 
Awesome. So be sure you check it out. There's a link in the description for Niche Website Builders, their channel, and Alex as well. So thanks a lot, everyone. Great live stream. And yeah, we'll talk to you guys next week. Cheers, everyone. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. As you can tell from the outro, we recorded this just before the week preceding affiliate gathering. Uh, word on the street is it was a blast and a lot of fun. I heard from a, like one or two people I'm actually recording this pretty far ahead of time. So I haven't really caught up with many folks. I think the dust has just settled. But anyway, that's why they were referencing affiliate gathering. And uh, it looks like a lot of people went pretty cool. So anyway, I don't have too much else for today. Do let me know if this type of episode comes over well for the podcast. I know live streaming is a little bit different, but the style in which that I do live streams and I host the live streams, I think it usually can fit for a podcast. And I mean, we ramble on a little bit, but a roundtable discussion like this, I mean, it really can go on for a long time. I think I think Alex or someone had to go. Otherwise, I mean, we had something like 80 to 90 people on for a good chunk of this live stream, which was pretty cool. That's That's about as big as they get on my channel at this point in time. And like I said, I thought it was a really good discussion, maybe a little more advanced. And the reason why I mentioned that is we had a lot of people that were there on the live stream the morning of. However, the views usually go up quite a bit after the video is published. And I think not too long ago, I had of one of the live streams get about 3,000 views over the next couple of weeks. But this one, for some reason, really didn't get much traction, even though I thought this is one of the most valuable episodes that we've we've done. So anyway, let me know what you think about rebroadcasting these sort of live streams where it's good content, but live streaming is different than a podcast. I'm not sure. I think it works. I think it works okay. I mean, I used to listen to podcasts that were essentially live streams before live streams were a thing. Uh, Back when I used to listen to the Brewing Network, which is old school, they started, I mean, I think that podcast started in 2007. No, that's when I started listening to it. So they may have started in 2005 or six. Basically, as soon as podcasts were a thing, they were doing it because um, basically the guy was a broadcaster. So he was in, uh, he was on like radio stations and shit. So kind of interesting. He transitioned. And I don't know. I, I don't listen to the network as much anymore. Well, har- hardly any. I picked it back up last fall, but. Um, I kind of lost momentum with it. It wasn't part of my daily routine or anything like that. Once I pick up the the uh, brew kettle again, the mash paddle starts stirring. I'll probably, you know, when, you, when you're brewing beer, you want to listen to a beer podcast. That's the way I do it anyway. All right. Just rambling on now. So everybody have a good, good day out there. We'll catch you on the next episode.